Please rise. Epiphany blessings to you from God our Father and from our Savior Jesus Christ, who has been revealed to us as the salvation from all sin. Dear fellow redeemed, the word of the Lord, which I would lay upon your hearts this morning, comes to us from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, the first seven verses. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the, house, the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way, when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. So far, God's holy word. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus, who invites both young and old to come to him for needed rest, dear friends in Christ. At the risk of delivering what may possibly be the bleakest introduction to a sermon ever written, I feel it is my duty to tell you this, you're dying. This may not be something you expect to hear from a pulpit. More often it's said in a hospital room by a doctor holding some CT scans or some blood results. Then typically the doctor will give you his or her best guess of how long you have to live before whatever ails you finally takes your life. Now, I can't do that because I have no idea how long you're going to live yet or what's finally going to do you in. But I can say definitively that every single person in this room is dying. No matter how old you are, you are dying. Your body is growing older, growing weaker. It's breaking down. Some of you in your more advanced years might already be beginning to feel those effects. Those who are younger might not be feeling any of them, but you will, don't worry. And so there are many elderly people who will tell those young people, now don't grow old, you won't like it. So what do we do? We who are dying, what do we do? We who are today students, employees, and retirees, and tomorrow worm food, where is the hope? Where is the comfort? For our sermon meditation today, we turn to the book of Ecclesiastes to see what the Lord has revealed to us about our own frail mortality 
And then to see also that he gives us purpose and hope for every phase of life. And so we turn to the wisdom of our gracious God to find out how to build up while breaking down. The strength of our body will wane. The knowledge of our creator, though, will sustain. And the example to our young will remain. May the Spirit reveal to us God's will for our lives and the hope of everlasting life today through his word. Now, the human experience is a constant striving for contentment, isn't it? We spend our whole lives thinking that if we could just have a little bit more, well, then we'd be happy. A little bit more money, a little bit more love, a little bit more free time, then our problems would all magically resolve themselves. It's interesting, then, that this section of scripture we consider today, which in places is quite depressing, was written by King Solomon, the man who had it all. He was the king of Israel when they had, as a nation, peaked. Everything was great. Everyone had plenty. Every nation recognized Israel's place at the top of the totem pole, and there was King Solomon at the head of it all, sitting in what may have seemed to be the driver's seat. 1 Kings chapter 10, it says in those days that silver was as common in Jerusalem as stones. In 1 Kings 11, we read that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. The Lord had blessed him with unmatched wisdom, by, unmatched by any other mortal man before or since, save perhaps Christ. But you read Ecclesiastes and it doesn't sound at all like it was written by someone who was happy or content. The overarching theme is vanity, vanity, all is vanity, nothing matters. It's, probably, it's probable that Solomon wrote this book in his latter years and possibly originally wrote it for his sons, since it seems that he's addressing his sons quite frequently throughout the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Now, as he looks back on all of his years of youthful vigor, excessive companionship, and absurd wealth, his conclusion is that it was all worthless. Particularly in this section for today, Solomon focuses on and laments on the body breaking down in old age. In verse 2, everything is darkened as death approaches the old king. In verse 3, the keepers of the house, the hands tremble. The strong men, the knees, they bow down. The grinders, the teeth, they cease because a lot of them have fallen out. They are few. Those that look through the window grow dim. The eyes, the eyesight starts to go away. In verse 4, the doors of the street are shut. And it gets into some pretty vivid detail about the hardships of old age that even Solomon recognizes he, he can't go to the bathroom when he needs to and he goes to the bathroom when he doesn't want to. You rise at the sound of a bird because you can't sleep well and the daughters, are brought, the daughters of sound of song are brought low because you can't hear well. Verse 5, the elderly are afraid of heights and terrors. They live in fear of falling and breaking something and still 
it happens frequently that they do fall and hurt themselves. The almond tree blossoms, the spine, it starts to protrude away from the skin as you grow old and lean. The grasshopper becomes a burden because your strength is so diminished. The desire fails, and sexual impotence becomes a reality, and then at the end of it all, after all is said and done, and all this suffering and hardship, the man goes to his eternal home in death, and then mourners go and do their bit. Wow. Not a lot to look forward to here, is there? The elderly, again, they tell their children, don't grow old. But as a young person, it may be hard to understand why they say that, to truly understand, because perhaps the closest thing we can get to really getting an insight into what it means to grow old is to read our text for today in Ecclesiastes, what Solomon was caused to record in great detail here for us so that we know in no uncertain terms what awaits us in old age. The strength of our body wanes. Everything breaks down and then we die. So how does the Lord build us up here in Ecclesiastes chapter 12? What remedy does he give to the young who fear the effects of getting old and to the old who feel the effects of getting old? Solomon's message to his son and the Lord's message to us today is this prudent advice found in verse 1 and repeated in verse 6. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then again, remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Remember your creator before it all goes to pot. The best advice any elder has ever given is this same message. Remember your creator. Remember the Lord. Why did Solomon, who from all earthly perspectives literally had it all, why did he look back on his life and say it was all meaningless, useless? It's because he failed to remember the Lord in his youth. He was led into idol worship by his many foreign wives. He was focused on amassing his great wealth, and for such a wise man as him, fell into just about all the same traps that you and I do as well. So the Lord's message for us through Solomon is this. That doesn't matter. Well, what doesn't matter, you ask? That thing that's distracting you right now, today, this morning, that thing you're so worried about, that thing that you're focusing all of your time and energy that's been distracting you from the word, from growing your knowledge of your creator. Money won't sustain you, though we often fool ourselves into thinking that it will. Physical ability and independence won't sustain you, though we often fool ourselves into thinking that it will. Women, men, power, even human wisdom like that of Solomon will not sustain you. Only one thing will. The knowledge of your creator will sustain you. 
This is spoken of again and again throughout Scripture. Solomon's father David wrote in Psalm 37, 25, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Christ exhorts his people in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The Apostle Paul himself, an old man, wrote in Philippians chapter 4, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The knowledge of our Creator will sustain us in youth and in old age because God has not only promised to provide our daily bread, the things we need for this life, but much more so He has revealed to us the bread of life, His Son, Jesus Christ. Epiphany is the season that we consider and give thanks to the Lord for revealing His Son to us as the Savior of the world. Because the Christ child came to dwell among us and to live and to die for us, we are built up in the knowledge, faith, and trust that even when everything in us and everything around us is breaking down, even so, heaven is our home. As sinners living in a sin-filled world, there will be suffering, but it will not last. Even Solomon, amidst all of this anguished regret expressed in Ecclesiastes 12, says in verse 5, very simply, for man goes to his eternal home. And in verse 7, he says, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Now the temptation is to read those two verses that are obviously talking about death and think, well, that's game over, especially in the bleak context of that message. But really, this is where the hope is, isn't it? After a man has suffered in old age, finally the Lord calls him to his eternal rest. When the creaking and the aching finally cease and the heart beats his last, the spirit returns to its creator and, redeemed from sin through Christ's atonement, Finally, that spirit inherits everlasting life that has been won for it. The knowledge of our Creator and His loving plans of salvation for us are what sustain us both in our youth and in our old age, both in our life and in our death. But I don't want you to think, even for a moment, ah, so all God expects me to do is muscle through old age then, eh? Our society has developed a certain mindset that says the elderly have nothing to offer. And the temptation is to sometimes think that's true. Both the young and the old think that's true at times. The young shouldn't listen to their elders. After all, they grew up in a different time. The elders shouldn't try and teach the young. After all, they just don't listen. The temptation will be that when you get old, or one day, when, or will be that when you get old, or if you are now old, to think that you are spent, that you are a burden, 
that you have nothing left to contribute. But that's not true, is it? You have a lifetime's worth of experience spent in God's grace. You have the hindsight to look back and see what didn't work and what didn't build up. You know, all those earthly pursuits that the young chase after of every generation. And what did work and what did build up. The knowledge of our Creator the hope of his redeeming love, and the promise of his eternal rest. Don't hoard those to yourself. The example that we leave our young will remain long after we're gone. Solomon himself also wrote in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head, and pendants for your neck. And again, in Proverbs 22, 6, he writes, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You may never even get to see the fruits of this example we leave our children in this life. It's said that a four-year-old thinks, Well, my parents know everything. And an 18-year-old thinks, Well, those old folks, they don't know anything. But a 45-year-old thinks, I wonder what my parents would have thought about that. When you use your time and your energy to glorify God and to turn the next generation to the one who gives life and all things, you can be sure that that example will remain. When you lead them to him in his word, then we can confidently leave it in God's hands. As it's written in Isaiah 55, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You don't see them very often anymore, but you see them in movies, I suppose, sometimes. And once in a blue moon, if you're in a really old building, you run across one of those red glass-paneled cases that say, break in case of emergency, with a fire extinguisher or a defibrillator in there. Sometimes we treat God's word like that, too, don't we? We save it until it's an emergency. Well, today is an emergency because you're dying. And the word addresses that issue. Whether you are old or young, whether you're in a stroller or a hospital bed, you are breaking right down, down right now even as we speak. But there's good news too, because God has shown us how to build up while we're breaking down. The truth is that if Christ doesn't return first, our bodies and our minds will grow weaker. They will grow more frail, and eventually they will fail us. But the knowledge of our Creator and His endless love, that will sustain us in every season of life. And the example that we leave our children and grandchildren will remain with them long after we are gone. James 1, or chapter 1, verse 5 assures us, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. And so this morning we pray for wisdom.
Lord, send your Holy Spirit and grant to us wisdom from above so that we might turn to you in every season of life for the strength and comfort we need. Lead us to the joy of salvation found in Christ every day and help us to pass on your word to the next generation so that every age may find its hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please rise. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.